Welcome back to episode 108 of the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. Welcome to the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. This is Judy Stevens, producer. Now, we have brought you uh, a wide range of scientists here on the podcast. We're really excited because we have a couple people from across the pond that have joined us uh, to talk a little bit about CERN and the Atlas Project. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Uh, my name is Paul Lecoq, and I'm the Data Preparation Coordinator of the Atlas Experiment. So hi, I'm Kate Shaw, um, and I do the Atlas Outreach Coordination for the Atlas Experiment. Hi, so I'm Katerina Anthony, and I work also with the Atlas Outreach team and work on written content. So first of all, we we here at Marvel, although it may not seem like it, are actually really like in love with science. You know, we do a lot with science. We work with the Natural History Museum here a lot. Um, a bunch of the editors, who I'm going to take them for a tour later, are huge science fans, which is sort of how I think I got started down this sort of route of bringing more science and history and sort of that world into not only this podcast, but into a lot of the video series we do. So it's actually really excited for you guys to come and talk because... CERN is, is a huge sort of outreach program. You guys are all about science and bringing science, not just to Europe, but around the world. Um, but before we get into more of the outreach program, why don't you guys talk a little bit about what CERN is and what the Atlas Project is, for those who don't know. Sure. So uh, well, CERN, this is one of the uh, biggest particle physics laboratories in the world. Um, and it's uh, international collaboration. So uh, the US, along with many other countries, all join forces together to put on um, amazing experiments for particle physics. So one of the biggest experiments is the Large Hadron Collider. So this is a 27-kilometer uh, accelerator, particle accelerator, and it's 100 meters underground. And what they do is they accelerate protons up to almost the speed of light and then collide them literally billions of times a second inside the center of four experiments. And we work on one of the experiments, uh, the Atlas experiment. So these collisions are happening billions of times a second, and we're trying to understand the mysteries of the universe inside of these collisions. I mean, it, it sounds very fancy. <laughs> uh, and obviously you guys are working specifically, like the Atlas project is something very specific. Like what type of science are you guys looking for? Well, um, <laughs> we're looking for, we like to think we're looking for all types of physics. Um, we're looking for, uh, we study particle physics, so we're really trying to understand what the smallest things of the universe are, what the fundamental um, properties of the universe. So we're looking for a bunch of different types of physics. Um, we want to understand things like the Higgs boson, which is why some things have mass, like you and me, and some things have no mass, like beams of light. Um, but we're also looking for new types of physics that we haven't yet uh, discovered or know anything about. For example, dark matter. It's a mysterious subject, substance that is in the universe and uh, we're, we're really interested to know what it is because it makes up something like uh, over 24% of the energy and matter in the universe. Yeah, dark matter is really interesting. I feel like that's the more and more, you know, you research a little bit about physics, that's sort of what's coming out of it. The, the new um, uh, planetarium exhibition at the Natural History Museum is all about dark matter and it's and it's like I think it's only like 15 minutes long but you walk in and you're like 
this is such an, an, a large topic and it's only like a little blip and then you're like, wait, I want to learn more. Like, so, and so that's what you guys do. You're all about outreach. So what is like the first step to sort of getting, to taking something like a science, like particles, particle physics is such a, is, is such a, a, a large word of understanding of what that means, but how do you take that and then sort of break it down to bring it to people that don't have PhDs? Well, I'd say it's it's really difficult to relate particle physics to kind of everyday experiences in life because it is such a it's such an important discipline, but at the same time, it's also kind of abstract because you're not dealing with things that you can see and touch and feel. And so we try to relate these um, the scales as best we can to real real life uh, environments, but. Again, as soon as you start describing protons as like little balls of, of uh, that, as little balls, then it's that's actually not that accurate. But it is a good way of visualizing what we do as well as best we can. So envisioning protons as, as small, little tiny, tiny, tiny <laughs> points um, going around the LHC, it, it works. Um, in terms of getting it out. To, to people, we there are lots and lots of different groups all over the world that are really engaged and enthused about particle physics, and they do that in lots of different ways. There's artistic representations of um, of the LHC collisions. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of popular fiction that involve uh, particle accelerators. Although usually, the popular fiction involves particle accelerators creating some kind of accident, which is not usually what we would like to see, considering it's, it's, a really, it's really one of the safest um, types of experiments that can be done in, on, in the world. So, But yeah, still, that, that does improve visibility of a sort. Um, in terms of, of what we do, we, we try to communicate our, our, our specific results as best we can. So the, the the communication that we end up putting out does tend to be a little bit more technical, although we do try to create some versions of it that are applicable to kids. So right now, um, in the current future past, we've just put out um, a series of coloring sheets, for example, um, which are aimed at kids says five to eight, uh, talking about uh, the LHC, talking about uh, the Atlas experiment. It also shows, teaches you how you can uh, create your own little collisions within the Atlas experiment. Um, also useful for adults who maybe don't know anything about, uh, about particle physics. It's a nice way of you know, entry level to, to the field. So yeah, I would check those out. That's actually really cool. I'm going to, for those who are listening to this, I'll uh, try and find the link for the coloring pages so you guys can color. We actually not correlating at all, but we just released a Marvel coloring book. Oh, that's mm-hmm. great. And we call them an adult coloring book. So, uh, which is sort of a random thing, but like. Can uh, I have one? I don't know if we have anything on hand, but we'll see if we can uh, find one for you. Bring by the PR guy. So wait, what do you do at, at CERN? What is sort of the project you're working on? Yes, so my job is to take the data that comes from the detector and put that into a format that people, well, basically the 3,000 physicists working on trying to look for new physics and trying to understand the universe uh, can, can actually analyze. So it's like taking 
the raw data from a camera and producing a picture. Mm-hmm. And we produce something like 30 million um, events per day. Wow. Which is quite quite a lot. And then <laughs> we have to use lots of computing to basically plough through all of that information, kind of using advanced statistical techniques like if you imagine you really had a lot of pictures and you try to do facial recognition or something like that, we use uh, statistical techniques and machine learning techniques um, to, uh, to then try and uh, understand the data and see if we can actually see a very funny face. That's a lot of data. <laughs> it's a lot of data, yeah. We produce something like, it's 30 terabytes a day. So a terabyte is something like uh, you would get on a new desktop yeah. machine nowadays, right? Yeah. So 30 of those per day, that's, that's as much uh, disk as we're... So producing. you must have like huge warehouses of hard drives or servers stored somewhere. Yeah, distributed all over the world, actually. We, wow. so we have a big center at CERN uh, and then lots of different computing facilities all over the world so that all of our international collaborators can, can get out the data and look at it. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So sort of a funny thing that I Googled was I Googled CERN because I was trying to come up with like to write some notes for myself. And the first news story that popped up was, has CERN opened a portal over the Large Hadron Collider. <laughs> this was the awake experiment starting up on the 24th of okay. June, I think. Yeah, okay. I saw that as well. So Whoa. we're going to go to other worlds? Is that what's <laughs> happening? I, I don't think Loki is about to come through <laughs> the portal. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so in, in that science, is that something that, like, I mean, a lot of people have tried to break down sort of... Uh, superhero science is, is very wide and broad in different worlds, but, like... You know, people have talked about Thor's hammer, like how Thor's hammer works. What is like the actual base science? Like some people think that there are like he has like a thumbprint analyzer on it that only works when he's like he's around it. Mm-hmm. And it's but it's it's so fascinating. But also the same thing with the idea of like the portals and like the realms and like getting around. Like, is any of that science? Do you think it's any practicality or is it just something of our dreams? Um, a lot of it, it, it is actually practical. I mean, you guys should chip in as well. But, I mean, for example, I, I really like the idea that um, Iceman initially was kind of like this uh, snowman sort of character. But then later on, he developed into this guy who actually had control of reality because in order to be able to form ice, you have to reduce the, the temperature of something and take the entropy out of stuff. And that, that was like... So it suddenly made him like this phenomenally powerful character. So the science in, in Marvel is really cool, actually. I think that's something that we've definitely done in, in more recent times is that a lot of writers, comic writers, if you ask them about, you know, where they do their his, their, their basic research, they're like, oh, a lot of times we'll actually, like, talk to scientists mm-hmm. to see what we can, you know, obviously I'm still going to tell my story a certain way, but how do I tell my story with some re- actual, like, science, like the idea of... of and I think that's cool because it makes it genuine, you know? It's really... There's a lot of reality in there as well, and uh, it's, it's educational. People learn something from reading that as well. Yeah, and, and then maybe, you know, if they're younger and they're interested in science, mm-hmm. they could look to something like this, and, like, maybe in the future... This is this is a science that might be possible, you know. Maybe we can do that. Like, maybe some kid watch reading a comic or listening to this podcast will figure out how to get us to Mars in half the time. The, the next Reed Richards. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and we definitely like we've um, we've done a, a bunch of different spotlights on young scientists. This one woman, uh, a high schooler, she won a like a high school science award, and she basically did um, uh, an ad- analytical 
discussion point of how many times female characters were in a Marvel comic book mm-hmm. and how many times they spoke uh-huh. and sort of showed in the like from the Golden Age to the Silver Age to the Bronze Age to now the like how the proportional of like how many times women speak mm-hmm. and it was I mean it's a little bit of a you know it's like an awakening point of like oh we clearly need to get more female characters in comic books but it was such a great like some 17 year old is like we're gonna, I'm gonna like research she's been like two years researching this that's mm-hmm. a lot of comics yeah no what I think it's great about the books Marvel's putting out right now is that it's not just that you've got female leads it's that you've got female nerdy science leads so uh Adventures of Squirrel Girl for example I love the fact that these are computer scientists who just kind of are also superheroes um and I think it's actually really difficult, computer science in particular, is a really difficult subject to make fun. And that book does <laughs> No offense, but, no, but no it, it's difficult, yeah. unless you're really engaged in it, to make it kind of broadly uh, uh, fun to, 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 lots of, to lots of people, especially younger audiences. And that book does that really well. Um, so yeah, seeing female characters not only lead a book, but also talk about science and just as part of their daily life is, is really, really great. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually just did a podcast with this uh, group of actresses. Um, they're based in L.A. They're called The Sirens. And they basically fa- uh, focus on getting more women in, uh, focus on STEM and also um, not only, you know, writing about science in, in for film and TV and science fiction and stuff like that, but also how to get more women in, in front of the camera mm-hmm. that are scientists that aren't necessarily like super nerdy, what we stereotypical think of like a female scientist, you know, trying to, to, to open the box and be like, you know, if you really like fashion, you too can also be a scientist. Like it's totally okay. Um, and I think that that's, you know, something that's really important and seeing like, you know, three women that are, you know, in, in not their middle ages, they wouldn't like if I said that, but like, you know, realize later in life, after they'd already chosen their career path that they still wanted to focus on science and they still really loved science Mm -hmm. but they didn't want to be scientists but they wanted to get more people into science I think is sort of like this this awe-inspiring moment like you don't necessarily need to spend you know 10 years of your life studying going to school you can still help people find science in other ways so and I think that that's something interesting that that CERN definitely does is about focusing on getting more people into science do you guys have any sort of um, tips or suggestions for people that may be young, that are in high school, or maybe, you know, they're 30 and they want to change their life, but, like, <laughs> how would they get into science? Yeah, I think getting engaged in, in science can happen, obviously, at, at any age. Um, and, and I think what you were saying before, actually, the importance of role models, like having uh, stereotypical uh, women or stereotypical scientists generally mm-hmm. as these quite, like, nerdy, um, like, people who have to be... Um, you know, something diff- slightly different to everybody else. I think doesn't really help people who might be interested in science because they think, well, hang on, I'm not like that. So then, c- can I be interested in science? Do I have access to it? And you know, the thing with science, and obviously with with everything, you should have a whole range of different people. From the, you know, we're gonna, have, you can have your geeky side, and you can have every other side of you, and just be like everybody else. So I think, um, yeah, people should, you know, realize and hopefully be inspired by the whole different range of people that do science are inspired by science um, and yeah I mean like CERN and the Atlas uh, experiment do, do do a lot of work trying to communicate and get the sort of um, get the science out to, to people to inspire and engage them. So in terms of kind of the direct 
uh, engage outreach that we we do. We have uh, at Atlas, we have and other experiments at CERN as well, uh, virtual visits where we'll take classes, and I'm using uh, inverted commas here, uh, to the Atlas Control Center to using the, the joys of the internet um, to via vid- video cam to speak to Atlas physicists that are there and to ask whatever questions they like. So that we do that usually with high schools, but um, we also have, for example, master classes, which Kate would be better talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah, so um, it's one of the educational programs we do. They're fantastic masterclasses. So basically, uh, you get to be a scientist for a day. So you get uh, introductory, um, you know, lectures and talks about physics, and try to, to communicate, you know, all of particle physics in the morning, and then. Um, but then you get to really analyse data. So you can even go online and do this actually on your own, but you know, people organise uh, day events at universities and stuff, and you get to analyse real data. So you'll see a picture of our experiment, and you'll see an actual collision, so it could be a real you know, Higgs boson decaying into four electrons, and you click on your electrons and you reconstruct uh, your Higgs boson. So you actually are looking at a real event of Higgs bosons. So these are really nice because they, um, they get, you know, allow people to really touch the physics, really see it, you know, it's not so, because it can be so abstract, particle mm. physics. It's it real. Yeah. Exactly. It can be so abstract, cause it's all in our minds, but kind of communicate that to other people can be hard. But doing masterclasses and being able to access the data like that, I think, is a really nice, inspiring thing. I really loved it when I first hit it, you know, because, I mean, we do a lot of writing code, and so being able to actually see an event is, is yeah, it's really amazing. Mm. It's kind, kind, of, kind of fun for us as well, actually, because mm. what, what you find, or what, what I found when I would have... Um, done some of the sort of supervision of the master classes is that there's so much engagement you know the, the kids really really get into it and they ask you really cool questions like really really difficult questions yeah. that just throw difficult. you off <laughs> really really like, seriously tough questions where you kind of go eh yeah. um, give um, me a minute yeah. <laughs> you're like I've never thought about that before actually yeah, this is an amazing question some of the best questions some of the best questions come from kids yeah, yeah. Yeah. Has, have you ever been asked a question from a kid that like makes you rethink what you thought before? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think so. Somebody asked me. I can't remember the, very, the exact question, but they. I mean, God, they must have been about eleven or twelve, and they're asking about the interaction. So it's just after we discovered the Higgs boson, which describes mass, and they're like, "Well, if you're looking for dark matter, which is." you know, some sort of big mass in the universe we can't see. They were like, well, you know, can the Higgs, you know, boson, can you not, if you can make the Higgs boson, can you not see it making or interacting with dark matter? And we were like, well, yes, actually. Yes, you can. And I'm sure we're doing that. And of course we are doing that. But, I mean, it's just great that they can just, you know, young people can make these they great make things. make the connections. Really yeah, just like that. And, I mean, once you think about it, it's obvious, but I love the way that they just yeah. made it. It's that free thinking that happens that you're encouraged to do it as a kid but not as much as an adult when you're the older you get the more well some people would say focused i would say limited (laughs) you become and so yeah it's it's great for us as well engaging engaging with non-expert audiences of any kind yeah well, so sort of changing topic. So we're clearly at the Marvel offices. Um, this sort of this, uh, you guys came because uh, one of your coworkers, Steve, who was on the podcast previously, is a huge Marvel fan. And I hear that you guys are also Marvel fans. Just a bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> well, you pulled out the the Iceman inf- reference there. I did. I did. I, I'm a bit of a. Where do you want me to start? <laughs> <laughs> Have you always been reading comics? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I actually started with um, with the Transformers when I was very young. 
so I got the first uh, colour edition of Transformers when I was very young and that's how I got into I think later on uh, Iron Man was featuring in there um, as, uh, as one of the supporting uh, cartoons in there and yeah I mean that, that got me hooked and yeah I'm a huge fan love the films love the superhero I'm basically just a big kid at heart <laughs> <laughs> I mean we all are that's why we work here <laughs> I mean we, we work with superheroes every day but we have to think about them in sort of the way that you guys have to think about your science results we have to think about them in like you know like analytical or like how do we you know how do we market this and all that type of stuff so sometimes you forget that like oh yeah this character is like a fake character but everyone loves him and then you know and then you get a chance to like go to conventions and stuff like that and people are like oh you know like Captain Marvel was such an important inspiration to me a few years ago and you're like oh that's that's why we do what we do and it's pretty amazing uh but yeah I mean it's I feel like now, the more and more I try to link comics and science, I feel like it should come together more often. Yeah, I think it's great because it's a really good way of engaging young people, you know, from our point of view, for scientists. It's a great route for young people who might, you know, do science at school and be like, you know, whatever. But then do, you know, your sort of comics. They're a great way of inspiring them with Mm. science, basically, because they suddenly make, you know, fantastical... Fun, positive role models. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. 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 Do you guys have a favorite characters? <laughs> <laughs> it also helps that we're sitting in a room full of them. <laughs> <so>. I'm getting <laughs> distracted. I'm looking at three galactuses. It's kind of uh, awful. Yeah, he has... Uh, uh, he lost his legs. Uh, we are currently sitting in Ryan Panagos in John Cirilli's office. Uh, Ryan is... Dusk is covered in uh, Galactus, although his favorite character is Modok. <laughs> Um, uh, do you guys know who Modok is? Modok is this dude. He's oh. so he's like he's like a, a funny a villain uh, that basically is on like a floating chair and he's a giant head. Of course he is. <laughs> uh, and he always wants to take over the world, but he always like gets his plans always get messed up along the way, kind of like Pinky and Brain. Oh. There's yeah. a passing resemblance to uh, He does, to doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think, I mean, I actually don't know when he was invented, but I would assume it's probably during the 80s, 90s. I'm sure everyone on the internet will incorrect me, but I don't actually know when he was invented. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we definitely, like, you know, the Marvel offices are covered in things. <laughs> so so I, I guess Iron Man is, uh, is a big hero just because, I mean, he brings that whole geek thing to, yeah. to a whole new level and just takes it as far as he can. Um, he's kind of got this... He's got his naughty side as well as the positive side, which yeah. I think is yeah, he's it's a real character that you can get into, and I think that's uh, yeah, yeah, he's cool. When and also when he's like, oh, we don't, we know, like we don't have something. Well, I'll just build. I'll it. just make it because right. that's clearly how science is, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's how attitude, we work. Yeah. No, but that attitude is exactly what science is about. Yeah. It's like you know, not just saying, oh, well, we don't know how you do this, or oh, we can't do this. The whole attitude is, let's do it. Let's work. It. We work it out as we go along. That's fantastic too. I very much see myself fulfilling that kind of role. <laughs> As Iron Man? Yeah. You'd be I, a billionaire and get a Iron tower. I am the of the Atlas experiment. <laughs> <laughs> Without the cash. <laughs> hint, hint, just give me the money and it's all going to happen. Is that the suitcase that you dropped off in the front that was your, yeah, your armor? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was asked to leave that. So I, I think that's pretty much all my questions, and then we um, I want to get you guys to your tour. Uh, but where can people find uh, CERN and you guys on the Internet if they want to ask questions? Okay, so I'd start off with our website, which is uh, atlas.ch. Um, also, you can find us on Twitter, Atlas Experiment, which we're also on Instagram and Google+. 
on Facebook. Yes, thank you. <laughs> that other one, the, the other, the other <laughs> one. Um, and I think that's all of our social media. Yeah. Yeah, but the website's really nice. It's a great thing. Um, yeah, nice to come and visit because there's loads of resources. You can find out how to organise virtual visits, and uh, you know, all the you know all the stuff for all our books and lots of resources are there. So you can obviously navigate and learn some stuff, but then you can also hopefully find some stuff that you, you're interested in. Tons of pictures and videos mm-hmm. and lots of lots and lots of facts that just kind of blow you away, and you can uh, you can impress your friends. We're always really <laughs> happy to hear from people. You know, if they want to come visit said or they want to do a virtual visit, we're always really happy to talk to people, help organise uh, anything they like. Very cool. Well, thank you for coming in and and joining us for this great podcast. Um, As always, if you guys have questions, you can email us at womenof at marvel.com or tweet at marvel hashtag womenofmarvel. We will check you guys next week. This is Marvel, your universe.